Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. We've got a lot to get into tonight. Super Bowl 56 is finally set. The Rams and the Bengals. We're going to dive into that a little bit. Not too much because we have the Super Bowl uh, preview coming up next week. We're also going to get into some other NFL news as well as we've got Tom Brady retiring, Matt Eberflus, the Bears, some other things to kind of tie up. Um, you know, as the NFL offseason has gotten into gear for a majority of the league. Uh, and then we're also uh, going to talk some college hoops. We meant to do this last week. Of course, we didn't have the podcast last week, uh, but we're going to dive into some college basketball, talk about IU, talk about some of the big surprises we have. So B's got a lot to get into tonight. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's six pages of rundown tonight, folks. Hold on oh, yeah. tight. Oh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. And so <laughs> with that said, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, so we had the conference championship games this past weekend. B. Scott and I, when we did our championship preview last week, which was a standalone episode on YouTube, uh, we were talking about how, you know what, we were thinking it was going to be like Chiefs. Well, I thought it was going to be Chiefs Niners. B. Scott thought it was going to be Chiefs Rams. And we're like, those. that's what we want. That's what we think is going to happen. But we think it's going to be, you know, where we want it to be Rams and Bengals. And you know what? We got what we wanted. Uh, first, with the AFC Championship game, the Bengals win 27-24. to 24. Um, You know, the, Chief, the Chiefs and Mahomes were rolling early. Uh, it almost seemed by the end of the game that it was kind of, like, wrong that the Bengals were going to win because as dominant as the Chiefs were early on, I mean, it looked like they were just going to roll to their uh, third straight Super Bowl. Um, Patrick Mahomes had touchdown passes to Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and McCall Hardeman. Um, put Kansas City up 21-3 to with 5.04 left in the first half. Uh, 21 to 10 at halftime as Joe Burrow finds Samaje Pirine for a 41-yard touchdown with a minute and five left in the half. Uh, the Bengals then tied the game at 21 uh, later on in the third as um, as Joe Burrow finds Jamar Chase for a touchdown. They get the two-point conversion. We're tied at 21. Uh, and then each team uh, trades a field goal. So we're going into overtime. We also talked about overtimes on the preview. Um, uh, you know, we're worried about how, uh, you know, maybe this was going to turn out. Uh, we know what you know, happened with the Bills and Chiefs, you know, not, where the Bills didn't get a chance to have the ball. Uh, but in this instance, both the Bengals and the Chiefs got a chance to uh, possess the ball. The Chiefs did win the toss. But Patrick Mahomes intercepted on a pass deflected by Fort Wayne Schneider's own uh, Jesse Bates, the third. Um, Evan McPherson then hits a 31-yard field goal to send Cincinnati to their first Super Bowl since 1988. I was not alive yet. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, B. Scott, I wonder if you were alive, B. Scott. B. Scott was live and alive. Actually, I'm pretty sure I was just like a few weeks old. Yeah. That point. That's true, because if it would have been in January. So, yeah, it's true. Um, Joe Burrow. Uh, 23 for 38, 250 yards, a touchdown and interception. Jamar Chase, six catches, 54 yards. So we were, we thought it was, you know, Jamar Chase was just going to eat against this Kansas City defense, but they did a good job uh, holding him in check. Patrick Mahomes, 26 of 39, 275 yards, three touchdowns and two picks. Over to the NFC side, the Rams win 20 to 17 over the 49ers. Matthew Stafford hit Cooper Cup for a 16 yard touchdown to open the scoring. The 49ers then score 17 unanswered points across the uh, remainder of the game heading into the fourth quarter. It was powered by a Jimmy G touchdown pass to Debo Samuel, as well as another one to George Kittle. It was 17 to 7, 49ers. After three quarters into the fourth, Cooper Cup catches his second touchdown pass from Stafford. Matt Gay connects on two field goals, including the game winner with a minute and 46 seconds left. Uh, And Jimmy G then does his best Carson Wentz impression, tries to just chuck a ball as he's getting sacked. He's intercepted and it puts L.A. in the Super Bowl in their home stadium. So that's where we are. Rams and Bengals, Matthew Stafford. 
31 for 45, 337 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Cooper Cup, 11 catches, 142 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Jaquiski Tart had an interception in his hands for San Francisco when the Niners were still up by 10. Now, that was with about eight minutes to play. Um, so, I mean, that's you can, time. yeah, it's still a lot of time, but I mean, you, if, if they intercept that pass and go up even by, you know, 13, go up even by 17, you can argue that it would have been a very different outcome. So looking back, uh, at this past weekend of, uh, football in the conference championship games, I mean, you know, of course, you know, you're welcome Rams. I bailed on you guys, uh, during the playoff predictions. Uh, they were my NFC champion at the beginning of the season. Uh, when you know going into the playoffs, you know I had a lot more faith in Tom Brady. I had a lot more faith in Aaron Rodgers. Neither of them able to get it done. Matthew Stafford has stepped up. So the Rams, but they're overall though the Rams were pretty much expected. They were what we thought they were going to be. Uh, but on the other side, I mean the Bengals, we did not see them coming. Uh, the Rams went out. They got Stafford for this type of run, uh, and they made good on their investment. It shows what can be accomplished uh, when you go all in. <coughs> Colts. <laughs> um, I do uh, also enjoy that the Rams get to play in their own stadium. Uh, you know, they get their play in their own stadium uh, accomplishment. They take that away from it being solely Tom Brady's accomplishment last year. So that's kind of wild. It's 54 years of Super Bowls that never happened, and now it's happened in back-to-back years. Um, and now, I mean, like I said, no one saw the Bengals coming. I look back at our uh, preseason tier list. We were going through how many wins we thought each team was going to have. We both had uh, the Bengals in the five to nine category. And I know we both probably had them more in the five to six win category, as opposed to at the higher end of that category. I do want to throw out there, B Scott, that you also had the Rams in that category, but probably more along the lines of eight or nine wins uh, than five or six. But um, at the same time, I mean, we had them both, you know, kind of, you know, down at the bottom of the barrel. We didn't think the Bengals were going to be this team. Um, you know, I'm going to have to dive deeper into the numbers, uh, which we'll do for the Super Bowl special, um, you know, to, to kind of get a little bit more of a feel of just how they've been able to pull off these wins. But I mean, they, the, the bottom line is they've just found their ways to win and overcome, you know, adversity, overcome what they've been stacked against. I mean, their game against the Raiders, they never really had to face a ton of adversity. Um, you know, they, they pretty much, they, it, even though it was a seven point game, it felt like the Bengals won by two touchdowns. Um, but as far as, I mean, against the Titans overcoming nine sacks, um, you know, to be able to win that game, uh, you know, against the chiefs, you know, a team that, you know, has been there, done that. We talked about it in championship preview. You know, this is, they've, they've been here before. They've been here four straight years in the AFC championship game. They get a chance. Uh, they're down 21 to three and they have an opportunity to scratch and claw, come back, win that game. Uh, that's just crazy. And I think this is, Maybe one of the best single season turnarounds of our generation. I was looking back, uh, there was a Bleacher Report article, um, you know, and I was looking at trying to look at like recent ones because they had, you know, heck, they had the 1988 Bengals on that list as well. Uh, but the only two that were close um, were the 2015 Panthers. But I mean, they were dominant throughout the course of the season. Once it got to the playoffs, I think they were the one seed, right? That year, like once it got, or maybe the so. seed at least, uh, once it got to the playoffs, like, it became apparent they were a favorite to potentially make it to the Super Bowl. Um, and they were well, a, they had the they, MVP that year. Right. And, Cam and, they, I mean, and they're on. also a franchise, too, that, you know, was only about a decade removed from their previous Super Bowl run. It's not like, you know, I mean, not to say that they had like the same pieces because they really didn't. But you're just saying that, like, they had that kind of history built up as well. Um, and then they also threw in the 2019 49ers, which I mean, the reason why they were more of a turnaround is because they had a ton of injuries the year before, um, you know, and so they were probably, you know, a Super Bowl contender. And I think, you know, coming into that season, they had a bunch of injuries. Um, now, I can't remember if they were the one seed, but I know they hosted the NFC championship game that year, um, you know, against the uh, Packers. I don't believe they were the one seed. If they weren't, they were at least the two or three because yeah. the Packers – so yeah, I mean, they were another, you know, they host the AFC or the NFC Championship game that year. So like I I think, you know, for a team to not only do this turnaround but do it all on the road, I mean, this has to be one of the biggest turnarounds at least at least of recent memory. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely this Super Bowl was totally unexpected if you go back to our preseason show and hear what our thoughts were uh, obviously honestly i did not expect matthew stafford to have the kind of season he did 
And honestly, we're seeing that it wasn't Matthew Stafford all along. It was the Detroit Lions. Um, and obviously, the addition of OBJ, you can't overlook that. But what's interesting is that this, these two teams, it just goes to show you how important um, position players are, skilled position players. And, I mean, you're, you know, there's a – the most unknown name, I guess, on uh, of the teams um, at wide receiver, I guess you could almost say is Cooper Cup. But, you know, he's one of those guys that's outperforming where he was, you know, the thought process was on him and everything. But these teams are loaded at skilled positions. If, if you look at it, I mean – Cooper Cup, OBJ for the Rams, they could go on. And then the Bengals, you know, T. Higgins, um, Jamar Chase. And they also, the other thing, both of these teams have franchise quarterbacks. Franchise quarterbacks that can get the ball to their weapons. That's a very common denominator there. Um, just saying. Uh, there's another <laughs> team that could, uh, you know, take a look at that blueprint and – realize, hey, you know what? That's how we won a Super Bowl in the past. Franchise quarterback, hmm. top-tier weapons. Hmm, yeah. Um, but, you know, I just love the story of the Bengals. It's just it's, – it's a fun one. You, it's, a hard, it's hard not to get behind this team, but at the same time, it's hard not to get behind the L.A. Rams as well. Like, there's no reason to not like them. Same thing with the Bengals. Like this is like the best possible scenario, I feel like for the NFL. It the both the both teams are very intriguing teams. You know, you got Matthew Stafford who was being poorly utilized in Detroit in his first year in LA, leads him to a Super Bowl. You got OBJ who many many thought was a locker room cancer. And turns out he was just in a cancerous locker room and is back to maybe not fully back, but playing up to the level we, we know he can play at. And then the Bengals, obviously, I mean, the Bengals, it's a very young team um, that is just riding on some incredible momentum. Let's just be honest there. Um, it's, it's a great, it's a great story. It's great. Also because you have, major market versus small market. I mean, Cincinnati's a small, like somebody said on a meeting I was in today, they're, they're from Cincinnati and they're a Bengals fan. And they said, you know, Cincinnati, it's a small town. I'm like, well, I wouldn't call it a small town, but you know, it's not a, it's not a major city by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a city, but it's bigger than the city I live in. Um, but it's, it's just a great story overall. And it's one of those that if you are just a, a, a if you're a fan of the NFL or a fan of football and your team's not playing, this is one of those Super Bowls that you're going to, you're going to watch the whole thing. Like in the past, like last year, you know, I didn't watch the whole thing. Cause it's like, oh, I don't want to watch Tom Brady win another Super Bowl. You know, there was reason to turn it off this year. It's like, I don't care who wins. It's going to be a fun one. This is going to be a, a great game, you know, and it, it's just, I have, it, it, I'm looking forward to this one probably the most outside of if I had a horse in the race and I, I don't. So that's what I'm excited about that. I can actually enjoy a game and not have any vested interest in one team winning or another team losing. So I'm super excited about this game. Yeah, I'm right there with you because uh, this is how I felt going into and maybe I mean, on a little bit of a eh, maybe not, maybe kind of very similar to the to the uh, 2020 Super Bowl off the 2019 season, the Chiefs and 49ers, yeah. where it was like, you know what? I don't really care who wins. Like I, I want kind of like in this one, like I want the AFC team that never has won in the past or has has been in forever since they've won. Um, I, I want to see that team win, but I'm not going to be disappointed if it's the other team that's got a little bit more history from the bigger market. So, um, right. you know, there's no, but again, there's there's no Tom Brady to root against. There's right. no other <coughs> excuse what's, me outlying. 
What's funny though, is that, um, you know, the LA Rams, yeah, they come from a small market, a, a, a major market, but it wasn't that long ago they were in St. Louis, let's be honest. Right. I mean, St. Louis is probably going, are you kidding me? They've made it to the Super Bowl twice since they've left here. Oh, come on. And then you got to look at Cleveland Browns fans and go, the football gods just must hate us. They just must hate us. You know, we trade away, we, we, we cut OBJ. He goes to LA. Now he's playing in the Super Bowl. And then Cincinnati makes the Super Bowl as well. When people looked at us as a Super Bowl contender, and now we're a dumpster fire. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of fun. But I got I to gotta end on this right here. Uh, Kevin McAllister was able to stop the TikTok bandits from making it to the Super Bowl. Thank you very much. I do. I do like that. I like that uh, analogy. Um, but uh, you, you mentioned Tom Brady. Speaking of Tom Brady, uh, we're going to talk about some more NFL news here. Um, it's, it's finally official. When we made this, <coughs> when we made this uh, outline, it was kind of this weird, like he had it was told official, it was officially it wasn't, and then it wasn't official. It was officially unofficial. Um, that Tom Brady was going to uh, retire, but now finally he has uh, said that he is retiring after 22 seasons. Uh, you know, honestly, I'm I'm not surprised in the sense that you know he's 45. You know, he's going to be 45 in August. He said he wanted to play till his 45. You know, his you know he wanted to play till 45. He'll be that in August. Um, you know, but. I'm surprised in the sense that, you know, it's coming off a season where he led the league in passing yards and touchdowns. He was second in QBR. His 5,300 yards were the most he's thrown in the single season. And if you want to say something about the extra game, he had uh, over 5,000 yards in another season that was 16 games. Um, And, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of respect that I have for Tom Brady, obviously as a Colts fan, you know, I've been loving the tweets of the, you know, the SpongeBob meme of, you know, uh, of him leaving. Um, But, you know, I have respect for him going out on a near MVP season. Um, you never want to go out. I mean, even towards the end, Peyton wasn't exactly Peyton. Uh, I mean, I mean Peyton, he, he got he won a Super Bowl, but yeah, he didn't win a Super Bowl. His defense won a the Bronco. The Bronco. Well, hey, you know what? I will say this: of all the you know times that we were, you know, we've thought like, man, if if you know, Peyton Manning had a better defense. If he had Tom Brady's defense, if he had Eli's defense, you know, he'd have, you know, at least one more, two more rings. And he, and that finally got got proven. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, you don't want to go out when you're a shell of your former self, but at the same time, if there's a quarterback that could have called this shot and said, you know what, I'm going to go out on a Super Bowl win, it's Tom Brady. And I honestly, mm-hmm. at this point, was thinking he might play till 50. Because I was like, well, he said he wanted to play till 45. And that news broke when he was like 41. And here he is almost 45. And he's still playing like he's 35. So, um, I mean, you know. I need to get in on that TB12 method. Right. It still seems a little surreal that, you know, the run's finally over for Tom Brady. But, you know, like I said, surprised, but not surprised. Yeah, you know, actually... I'm not surprised. I guess if you look at the season as a whole and the way it ended, you know, not wanting to go out on a a losing note and everything, that's surprising. But if you listen to what he said post-game or the day after that loss to the Rams, this decision's not surprising. Um, Basically, to sum it up, he he basically said, hey, you know, my wife, Giselle, she has given up so much of her career to allow me to have my career, whether it was in Massachusetts or whether it's now in Florida, you know, and she still has so much she wants to do in her career. And I've accomplished so much in mine. There's nothing more I can accomplish. It's now time for me to give back to her and allow her to go out and accomplish her dreams and her goals and it's time for me to stay home with the family while she does that. So those comments right there scream to me, he's hanging it up. It's not a football decision. It's not, I can't play this game anymore. I mean, because he even has said in the past, I'm going to play this game until I suck. And well, obviously that didn't happen, but it's amazing what family can do. You know, he's, he's, at, he's you know, 
Like that's that was that was the big thing. That was the big deciding factor. And when he, like I said, when he said that, I knew it was it was over. the The reign of Brady has come to an end. Um. So I, I'm not surprised. Um, I am kind of surprised though that it. Oh no, I'm not even surprised that the decision came so quickly. Um. I am surprised that when it got leaked that he was going to retire that, or, you know, word potentially got out to people that he didn't stop it or, you know, his PR machine didn't stop it. Um, I do put that on Adam Schefter for jumping the gun there. I mean, <laughs> Adam it, Schefter it, again. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the equivalent of a beat reporter for a college team announcing that some high, that some big recruits going to commit and then I thought this was going to happen. Like, then a commit, the, the kid ends up turning around and going, well, no, I wanted to commit on my, I wanted to make the announcement. You know, I've been putting together this edit, this video, and now I'm not, and ends up committing somewhere else. I thought, you know what? It's Tom Brady we're talking about here. He didn't get to break the news. He's going to come back and play another year now. Adam Schefter, you just ruined the whole thing. Thank you very much. <laughs> um but no, I think ultimately in the end, you know, the, the family angle was just a, too big of an angle to, um, to look away from. And I, I respect that decision, you know? And like he said, um, the, the, the future of the NFL is in great hands with these young quarterbacks now. He felt confident in leaving and stepping away because, you know, the, the future, because he knows the future so bright, which is you know, that's a really admirable thing as well. You know, for somebody that is a vicious competitor, I mean, trash talker extraordinaire for him to leave the step out on that kind of high praise of other players is amazing. So it, it was a great way for him to go out and for the right reasons as well. So I'm, I'm glad to see him go <laughs> at the same time. It's going to be weird. And I feel like this decision for Tom Brady leaving could, I'll talk about it another time in more in depth, but it could impact the Colts quarterback situation. Good. Um, you know, I also like, I wonder if like, I'd be interested to know, like if like, let's say two or three years down the line, if we get some, like, like how long until the Tom Brady is coming out of retirement rumors start? I don't think that's <laughs> happening. You don't think that's going to happen? No. because of the family angle i don't yeah. think that's going to happen now tampa bay fans calm down already this speculation's already fired up they're they're already chiming for uh andrew luck to come out of retirement and team back up with bruce arians hmm. that'd be that'd folks, be interesting folks have you seen Andrew Luck recently? <laughs> yeah, if you saw him at the college football championship, he, I don't think that's happening. He's not in football playing shape whatsoever, folks. And it's not he's fat. It's he's lost a lot of weight. He's a very skinny man now. Yes. And yeah, Look, Andrew that, Luck's not coming out of retirement. It's And even the Pittsburgh Steelers fans are like, oh, my gosh, he's sitting down with some uh, former Pittsburgh offensive, some Pittsburgh offensive linemen. Do you think he's interested in playing for the Steelers? No, 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 not happening. Andrew Luck loves retirement. Andrew Luck does not look like he's ready to put on any kind no. of football pads or anything. It's a remarkable that's, difference of how he looks. <laughs> now, see, that's not the number 12 that I've kind of had an inkling of who might end up going down and taking over for the old number 12. Uh, I was uh, perusing through TikTok and one of the, um, one of, you know, somebody was speculating one of the sports accounts I was follow, I follow, um, was like speculating how Aaron Rodgers could potentially be a fit down in Tampa. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers could be a fit just anywhere. Let's well, just right. be honest. But as, so. as like that being a little bit more appealing now, because I mean, that team is obviously stacked. They can win. Is it though? I mean, is it Gronk most likely retiring now? I mean, that's you true. You don't have a B Chris Godwin is coming off of an injury and is a free agent. You have Mike Evans. You have Mike Evans. Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Leonard Fournette, but Bruce Arians. And, but also if, because the rumor the big, too has the been big is Bruce Arians. 
Yeah. That, that's well, the that's the big one. Also, because that's that was my whole thought process of him going to New Orleans. Because I was like, we we he could go play with Sean Payton. That's a team that's stacked. I still don't think really you he would go to. Excuse <laughs> me. I think he goes to Pittsburgh or Denver, to be honest. But no, there's not enough there. But I'll just say what I was gonna what I was talking about with the Colts situation. Apparently, Bruce Arians has said in the past that one of the quarterbacks that he would love to coach and he feels like is a great has the has the potential to be. He just love, would love to coach because he feels like it could fit into his system is Carson Wentz. Yep. And now that the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are quarterback needy, maybe he feels like, hey, I'm a good quarterback whisperer as well. I can really help change him because you know we do have some we have more weapons down here than he has up in Indianapolis. But no. so you know, and it won't take much to get him. Right. You know, throw throw a, a fourth round pick at Indianapolis, and I'm sure they'll jump at it. True. A, a fourth and a, a seven, or a fourth and a future sixth, or something. I don't know, but it's not it's not the hole that Indy lost getting no. him. It's but it's you know something better than a pack of gum and a deck of baseball cards. <laughs> uh, last little bit of NFL news we'll get into. Um, Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator. You're, you're setting up these transitions well because now we're going to talk about the Colts a little bit. Uh, Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus gets hired to be the next coach of the Bears. Uh, my reaction to that, I mean, you look at, um, you know, um, you know, Matt Eberflus's uh, career with the Colts. He took over a Colts defense that ranked 30th in yards per game. Um, in 2018, his first year, they were 11th. In 2019, they were 16th. In 2020, they were 8th. That was kind of their breakout season. And then this past year, they were 16th. Now, the Bears over that time, uh, oddly enough, were 3rd, 8th, 11th, and 6th. So in almost every year, the Bears defense was better than the Colts defense. Um and the Bears defensive coordinators over that time, Vic Fangio, who's now the coach of the Broncos, Chuck Pagano, uh, and Sean Desai. Um, now, <coughs> excuse me, it can't be denied uh, that Eberflus did turn around the Colts defense, but I'm just surprised that with an offense that's trying to mold Justin Fields, who feels like they finally have their guy, and I believe they do, they don't go after an offensive coordinator, somebody who's got maybe a little bit more of a track record of grooming a quarterback. I mean, Eberflus has been, um, you know, a defensive coach, you know, throughout his entirety. It's not like, you know, he's kind of dabbled in both, which you don't really usually see anyway. Um, but um, they do end up, you know, I, I did look at, um, Bears Reddit, um, and you know the fans, uh, you know seem to be pretty, you know, on board with Eberflus. Um, their big thing was we need to get a good offensive coordinator. Well, they did get their offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, uh, who was the Packers' offensive coordinator. He's been in the Packers organization for seven of uh, the last eight years. So again, he was with an already established quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. He didn't really have to groom or develop him so i mean i know that can't be <coughs> excuse me your sole um you know qualifier when you're looking for a head coach you can't just beg like, i just want the best quarterback whisperer you can get me i know that can't be your only look but i'm just surprised now granted i mean you know some of these guys they couldn't have talked to anyway because of the way uh the playoffs were unfolding but i'm surprised they didn't look at like an eric Bieniemy from the uh from the chiefs a uh, Brian Can Callahan of the Bengals, uh, who also worked with Derek Carr in Las Vegas, um, so you know, or someone who's been a young quarterback in the league himself, Byron Leftwich. Um, you know, I'm surprised that they didn't go I'm after just surprised Byron Leftwich isn't a, co a head coach somewhere after this cycle. Right, right, exactly. I'm, that's so surprising in general. Right, so I'm just surprised that they. Um, that they didn't go after somebody who's a little bit more offensively minded. Those three guys that I mentioned, Kellen you know, Moore, even Kellen yeah, Moore, even Kellen Moore. Uh, yeah. Somebody <laughs> like that um, who could potentially groom Justin Fields into what you, you know, you want him to be. So I'm very, very, you know, it's one of those things where like, I don't really understand it, but bears fans seem to be happy. So, you know, maybe it'll turn out for the best. They have had better luck with defensive minded head coaches, you know, That's Mark true. Tressman, uh, you know, Matt Nagy, that may be why they're staying away from anybody who's dealt with the Chiefs. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, 
I'm just surprised they didn't go more offensive minded with their head coach. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, your, your defense is already a step ahead. So a defensive minded coach, I guess, can help them maintain that. And if you bring in the right coordinators, they can help take elevate your offense to the next level as well. Um, I'll tell you what, this is this hire bailed the Colts out. The Colts were definitely going to need a change on defense and they're getting a wholesale change now because literally um, Eberflus is taking the entire defensive staff with him, it seems like, um, which is a good thing, I feel like. Um, yeah, this defense led the league in takeaways like with 33. I mean, that I saw that number. I was like, 33 takeaways? That's like, that's ungodly. <laughs> Hi, I'm like that's a lot, but it, if you look back, it's like yeah, yeah, they they did they they took the ball away quite often, um, but yeah, I mean it's he's been a talked about commodity for several years now since he had that first big great season as Colts defensive coordinator, um, but at the same time, this always felt like this was going to be somewhere along the line the Colts were going to have to dump him not because the defense was playing, it was getting any worse. I mean, it, it, it just, it wasn't a great defense. It was a good defense, but not great with, especially with some of the players that they have, that could be better. Um, mostly because it, you know, he was a guy that they brought in pre Frank Reich and Frank kept him around for a couple of years. And then he had a good season and the talk of him being a head coach fired up. And now with the Colts definitely needing a change of voice on that side of the ball, uh, they got bailed out and that did not having to let go of him. Um, that's which is allowing them now to interview Jim Schwartz, who I'm like, please hire him, please hire him, please hire him. Uh, we needed aggressive defense to go along with our ball hawking defense. Um, but yeah, hey, you know what? You always love to see one of your coaches or even a coordinator, get that opportunity because you know that they were doing something right. Um, and with Eberflus being the talk, like the, probably the hottest commodity in the coaching carousel the past couple of years, you know, that, that's, that's always good positive like PR for the Colts, I guess. You know, I mean, it's, there must, he must be doing something right. The Colts must be doing something right. So any, any bit of good marketing can help. Any anybody so good for him. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the Colts. It did not have to end badly between the two, and this allows the Colts now to get that change of voice that they needed. Yeah, I'm uh, the the person I'm hoping they can get in there is Brian Flores. I don't know how realistic that is, especially but, after today. Yeah, that's well, but I mean that doesn't does that look badly on more on it doesn't Flores look badly the on the it doesn't look badly. Oh, it's not bad on the Dolphins. The Dolphins had every right to let go of them and start the process over. It, it just looks bad on the NFL in general, and because of that, you don't want the any media how would it look, circus. How would it not look bad on the Dolphins more than it would Flores? I because I mean the Dolphin. If you look at it, wasn't. I don't know. I mean, he was an interim head coach. How, how often does an interim head coach get the job? I don't think it looks bad on the Dolphins as bad as it does overall on the NFL. Yeah. To be honest, you know, and I think, yeah, there needs to be some change within the NFL. The, um, I don't know. I can't remember the name of the rule where you have to interview. Is it Rooney rule? The Rooney rule. Yeah. That needs totally thrown out and updated. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at the talent and, you know, players that are retiring, there, there's definitely the ability to have more coaches of minorities, you know? I mean, for instance, Darius Butler right now, former Colts defense back, is screaming from the rooftops, give me a chance. I want to coach. I want to come to Indianapolis and coach. I don't care if you even look at me as your defensive coordinator. I want to coach. He's everywhere <laughs> screaming it. There's a perfect opportunity, you know? So that, that's the type of stuff that needs to be looked at. And I think that's what Brian Flores is, is saying, is that, you know, years upon years of 
you know, stacked up racial inequalities um, are just, it's just, it's just, you know, I don't know how to say it really, but for him getting that out there, I think it's, it's going to be tough. He knows he even said, yeah, I may have just killed my coaching career altogether not because of the issue that he's bringing up, but because it's so public teams now aren't going to want to bring in Brian Flores because of a potential media fire media circus that follows him. Just like what happened to Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow basically got blackballed from the NFL because nobody wanted to deal with the media circus that followed him for who knows why they just followed him, you know? So yeah, and that, I think that's why Brian Flores, I don't know if he would be, I mean, would be an option, but yes, he was one prior to today and everything that unfolded was definitely high on my list. I didn't think it would happen because I thought, honestly, I thought Brian Flores was going to end up as a head coach somewhere the, with the way Miami did uh, finish out their season. Um, I, I was certain he would end up somewhere. Um, I, I thought, yeah, you're not going to get him because He's got higher aspirations on his mind, which, yeah, he deserves that. But um, if there is an organization that would bring in Brian Flores, even after everything today, it is the Colts because that's just Jim Irsay. That's that's his personality and the way he views it. Like, bring him in and bring him into the family. And I, so, yeah, I think he's if he hasn't been linked to the position at by this point, regardless of what happened then he's not a, he's not going to be linked to the he's not going to have the position i think honestly it's going to come down to uh either chris harris uh the the defense back coach for the washington football team or um jim schwartz i i, I give jim schwartz the edge there just because he's been a defensive coordinator in the past mm-hmm. and he's worked with frank reich in the past his defensive philosophy is um, very intense and aggressive, and that's the change. That's that fits the change that the Colts are needing to make. Honestly, true. I forget the forget the other name of the other candidate they brought in, the former um, Ravens coordinator, but um, Rex like, Ryan. No, not Rex Ryan. I, I know, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I feel like it's good. I feel like all the way it's going to be Jim Schwartz just because of the fam- familiarity, like. This is kind of overcompensating for the fact that, you know, Frank allowed them to keep Eberflus. Oh, yeah, he can stay. He'll be my defensive coordinator. That's fine. Now you're bringing in somebody that Frank wants. Right. So <clears throat> sorry to go off on a, uh, no, no, a, that's fine. a tangent in a rabbit hole, but. But hey, I mean, it it'll be something to look at as the weeks go by. Uh, so that'll do it for our, uh, our NFL conversation. We're going to talk some college basketball. But before we do that, let's talk about our friends of the show. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps on your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. Also, remember, you can follow us at 3C Media Sports on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook, 3C Media. Go to check out the YouTube channel. We've got a bunch of standalone content up there, um, including B. Scott and I's discussion about uh, the overtime rules. That's up there on the podcast uh, page right now. So go check that out as well. We also have an announcement coming tomorrow about another uh, podcast we're going to be releasing here soon. Um, So that's going to be a lot of fun to dive into. Also, 3C Media on TikTok. There's a lot of uh, uh, TikTok-only content over there, so go check that out. Um, Remember, you can watch us live every week, twitch.tv slash Craig Crash. Tuesday nights, we record live. Everybody in the uh, chat right now, we've got Dusty, we've got L. Dusty did say that uh, uh, I haven't seen an official report on this, but it's looking like the new Washington team name is going to be the Commanders. Um, so that's pretty interesting. I, I kind of like that. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty good. Um, we also, like I said, have L in the chat. Speaking of 
of L, um, you know, another user of uh, Anchor.fm is, uh, you know, they just released their uh, author podcast, you know, their writing podcast. So you wanted today. So <clears throat> go check that out as well if you are interested in that kind of thing. Um, and then remember, you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can hear the Crash Course podcast. So um, now looking at college basketball because we're getting ready to enter uh, the fi uh, final month of the regular season, final full month of the regular season. Um, we're going to revisit our preseason picks. Uh, B. Scott, I forgot you, unfortunately, were not on the podcast that we made um, our preseason picks. So you can kind of go through and kind of critique mine. Um, I know there's at least one on there that you'll like because it's Purdue. Uh, but my preseason picks uh, were uh, North Carolina winning the ACC, Kansas winning the Big 12, Purdue winning the Big 10, uh, UCLA winning the Pac-12, and Kentucky winning the SEC. Um, the, the, the current conference leaders um, as of Sunday when I made the uh, outline for the podcast, it was uh, Miami leading the ACC, Duke and Notre Dame both a half game back. That's changed because Notre uh, Duke, Dame. Notre yeah, Dame a half right? game back. But Duke did just thump them. Yeah, I was going to say that, that's different Friday now night, because Duke so. and Notre Dame played. But still, I mean, Yeesh. Notre Dame in the top half of the ACC, I mean, we wondered and if they could bounce back. That was something we talked back. about. Yeah, that was something yeah. we talked about, the future of Notre Dame and is, how are they going to do. And, you know, they're stepping up, especially now with, I feel like, with North Carolina falling off a little bit. Um, Notre Dame is stepping up. And I'll tell you what. The ACC is an interesting conference this year. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's just a very interesting <laughs> conference. Yes. Uh, Big 12, Kansas is leading right now. Uh, uh, Baylor, though, is a half game back. Kansas does have both games still left against Baylor, so that's something to take note of. In the Big 10, Wisconsin and Illinois are both atop the Big 10. Uh, Michigan State, a half game back. Purdue is one game back. Dogfight. Dogfight yeah. in that oh, conference, yeah. like always. Uh, UCLA is atop the Pac-12. Arizona gonna, is a, that could change tonight. Yeah, they're they're uh, playing like after we get off air, right? Pac-12. Um, they're playing after midnight. <laughs> but who are they? Because I don't think they're playing Arizona again, are they? I think I think it is. Yeah, I, I'm going to check it out. Um, but uh, UCLA, I, like yeah. I should know these things. <laughs> Arizona is a half game back, and then USC is one game back. Uh, in the ACC, Kentucky is two games back of Auburn. Auburn's been uh, the cloud, Auburn's which I mean, on a different level. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I SEC basketball to me is just dirty. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about Bruce Pearl having the number one team in the country. It's just, I, mm, I don't know how I feel about that one. Let's but, see. Yeah. Like, I love it, like, I love it. Like when Mississippi state randomly has a good basketball team, like that's right. fun. Texas A&M solid this year. Um, now, always uh, usually pretty solid. Kansas is beating up on Iowa State right now. So that's a team. Uh, so, I mean, Kansas is in this brutal stretch right now. So I don't see UCLA on tonight. Maybe, I think it is. Maybe um, it's tomorrow night. No, let's see. Next game for UCLA is against Arizona, but it's uh, the third. So it's on Thursday. Okay. Um, I knew it was this week. I knew it was soon. Yes. But, um, yeah, that one, that's going to be a fun one folks oh, so if you want, oh, yeah. if you want to stay up past your bedtime hey. there's a little viewing pleasure thursday is my friday so i get a chance oh, to probably so i'll probably throw that one up on the I tube i don't have days every day <laughs> is a work day so. every day all the days are work days all the days <laughs> um so the question is you know you know out of those uh leaders um which or at, you know looking at each conference which uh pick are you most confident in um so you can just add which pick you like the most uh for me it's ucla uh north carolina lost their only meeting to notre dame and miami uh they also still have both games versus duke still on the schedule so they're like fourth right now mm -hmm. and i just yeah i don't i don't like north carolina's chances to uh to do anything with that kansas right now is in the brute in a the throws of a brutal five game stretch against ranked teams. Uh, now they are doing decently in that run. They're beating Iowa state right now. They just got throttled by Kentucky and they did beat Texas tech last week to start that off. But still uh, they could come out. Like I said, they could come out the other side looking great. 
but they still have both games remaining versus Baylor. Kentucky is two games back uh, and Auburn won the only meeting. So Kentucky is essentially three games back. Um, and then, uh, right. You know, when I was trying to decide it's close for me between Purdue and UCLA, Purdue is four and one against ranked opponents this season. And they do play all the three, all three of the teams still in front of them down the stretch. They get Illinois who they beat earlier this season. Uh, one of their rank, uh, wins versus ranked opponents. They do have to go on the road. Um, against uh, Wisconsin, uh, the Cole Center, I believe that is, uh, who they, you know, they did lose to Wisconsin earlier this season. And then they get Michigan State, who is two and three against ranked opponents, and their signature Big Ten win was over Wisconsin. So, I mean, though, I, I can see Purdue winning those games. So, uh, you know, and that'll obviously change, you know, how I look at them, but there's also a chance they could lose one or two of those games and, and not win the big 10 uh, regular season, like we're projecting here. So, uh, and then I have, uh, and then, and then there's UCLA who I do, like I said, have the most confidence in. that's just because they're in a weaker conference. They have both games versus USC. And then of course the game we mentioned on Thursday against Arizona, they did beat Arizona earlier this season, 75 to 59. So they've already kind of put it on Arizona. Now that was at home. So, I mean, they have to go to Arizona uh, to get that other, to, you know, try and get that win, uh, you know, here in the next year later on in the week. But I think just from the standpoint of them being in a weaker conference, I got to go UCLA as far as the pick I'm the most confident in actually coming true. Yeah, I have to agree with that pick. Um, I think that is a, that's a high confidence pick as well. Um, with only one more game against Arizona and the rest of the big, the rest of the Pac 12 just, isn't up to the standard of UCLA or Arizona. Um, now, if Arizona wins on Thursday, it's a, it's a totally different ball game. I guess if I had to look at the current conference leaders, the, co- the team I'm most confident in in maintaining their lead and winning their conference is Auburn. I mean, they've, they've already played Kentucky, and they beat Kentucky in the lone meeting they have with each other. Um, so, I, you know, and they're just playing at a different level right now. And the rest of the SEC just doesn't, isn't up to par. I mean, is it possible for a, an upset to happen? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's college basketball. Upsets happen all the time. But I feel like the, of the teams that are currently leading their conferences, um, I feel the most confident in Auburn, just based off, what, based off of what their schedule looks like moving forward at this time and just how physically – gifted they are they're just playing physical basketball which is interesting coming from the sec i guess the sec i've always thought like when you see basketball players from the sec they look like grown men and i've always like seen such a huge difference like when purdue has played in sec school it's like why does it feel like purdue has little kids running around out there not looking at height or anything um but like physicality wise and then you, you see these guys at the SEC, and it's like, where did like, oh my goodness. Now, obviously, that's changed a little bit at Purdue, but the SEC, like, their players are just built different. I, I've never, it, I, even in football, we've talked about this in football. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's just something with the SEC. Um, but yeah, that's I'm the most confident in Auburn maintaining of, of the current teams that are leading their conferences. Just a quick look at their schedule. Their only remaining game against a ranked opponent is at Tennessee late in the year. So, I mean, if you know, it's not like they have to go through some sort of like crazy gauntlet like some of these other teams do. And and like I said, Kentucky is essentially three games back being, uh, you know, two having lost the only meeting. So, yeah, I, I feel confident Auburn's going to at least take home the regular season title, um, you know, of the in the SEC. So, yeah, that's a good pick. I mean, hey, there's a reason why. The, you know, you talked about them being built different. There's a reason why the SEC always has like 15, however many players drafted every year, like a good percentage yeah. of them. Um, well, yeah. What's interesting with the SEC is that like they get these blue chip recruits and they, they get spread out throughout the conference. Like LSU has one, Georgia has one, Auburn has two, Kentucky has five that never seem to pan out in college. Uh, Tennessee has one, you know, it's, it, yeah. they just kind of seem spread out. Whereas like in other conferences, like, you know, you got the big 12 and it's like, they're all at Kansas and you know, so on. Right. 
Um, now, looking at those same teams atop the, the conference, which team uh, is the most surprising for me? It's got to be Wisconsin. I mean, according to Sports Illustrated, uh, their article that, re- that they released on November 2nd, the Badgers were projected to be the 52nd ranked team in the country and ninth in the Big Ten by season's end. Uh, they, they first became ranked in the fourth week of the season. They fell out even in uh, week six. Uh, they broke the top 15 in mid-January. They were eighth before losing to Michigan State, as we mentioned earlier, and they're currently the number 11 team in the country. Uh, they're at the top of uh, the Big Ten in spite of not really any of their stats checking out, which I think is kind of funny. They lead the Big Ten in turnovers per game. Meaning they don't turn the ball over very much, so that's good. They're second in free throw percentage. Um, so they do a lot of the good fundamental things well, which is good. Um but uh, they're middle of the road or worse than most other statistical categories, um, according to ESPN. And they were 10 and 10 uh, in uh, in Big Ten play last season. So, um, you know, there's, you know, it doesn't, you know, if you looked at Wisconsin stats, you'd be like, oh, man, this team is probably middle of the road, which is where they were projected to be. And they're actually right now leading uh, the Big Ten, which is crazy. They do have the second leading scorer in the Big Ten in Johnny Davis, 21 points, eight rebounds. So that's got a lot to do with it as well. Uh, but yeah, the Badgers have just kind of, I don't want to really say came out of nowhere, but they're definitely surprising that they're leading the conference right now. I mean, tied for the lead, but still leading the conference uh, this far into the season. Yeah, they are surprising, especially after the uh, kind of the disgruntledness that ended their season last year or off season with the locker room recordings being released of players not happy with Greg Gard and, that drama so it was kind of like oh what's going to happen but I almost feel like those recordings actually brought this team closer together now and as fueling them um for me though the team that really is the most surprising that's sitting at top of their conference is Miami because when you look at the SEC yeah Miami's had good teams and you know you you expect them to be a, a solid team come March sometimes Um, it's surprising to see them sitting atop the conference, especially with the teams that are typically at the top of the ACC. You know, you have your Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, um, and and so on. You know, that that's the, the typical suspects that you see at the top of the ACC. And, you know, you got North Carolina, who's a game back and, you know, they're, they started the season off, they were highly ranked and, um, whatnot and you know Duke is Duke you know they I feel like they're coming on now they're finally realizing hey we need to play really hard for the Coach K farewell tour um but yeah it's 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 definitely Miami for me they're the most surprising based off of who the usual suspects are in the ACC oh and Florida State you know Florida State's usually right up there as well so for them for Miami to be leading that pack is, is probably the most surprising to me. Wisconsin, it, it is surprising based off of last year's results and, you know, the kind of the turmoil you thought you, you were seeing with them. But you got to realize they're still running kind of like they were when uh, Bo Ryan was there. Yeah. They were always just that sneaky good team that, oh, Wisconsin's going to have a down year. Nope. No, they're not. It's they're going to sneak into the NCAA tournament or they're going to sneak to the top of the standings as well. It's just that's just what we've come to expect from from Wisconsin, whereas Miami leading the ACC and for as long as they've been leading the ACC is also what's surprising. Yeah, I mean, it's the fact that, too, I mean, you mentioned with 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 uh, I can't talk with Wisconsin as well that, you know, the, yeah, they're not a, you know, they're they're a traditional you know good team in the Big Ten. They're usually typically pretty good. Miami's had their years, but you you would think of Miami you know more of a football school. We think we don't think of Miami really being a school that would sit atop of the ACC. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I think that goes to it as well. And Miami uh, the, in that article by Sports Illustrated, I think they were fifty sixth. So like they were also a team that wasn't really, you know, they were projected towards the bottom of the uh, ACC as well to the season. So they've, they've had a really surprising year and, you know, they, they had lost a couple, I think they lost both their games to Florida state, uh, but now Florida state's kind of fallen off a little bit. So Miami's kind of uh, oh, Florida state, you got a rebound I need <laughs> you for the RPI. <laughs> we do need you to look good again. Same thing with you, North Carolina. 
figure it out. <laughs> now we talk about uh, teams that are typically powers, uh, you know, and, you know, typically, blue, you know, blue, but blue blood programs. We got to talk a little bit here as we wrap up the show tonight. We got to talk about the Indiana Hoosiers. This this topic was originally going to be on the heels of uh, IU ending their losing streak to Purdue. We didn't have a podcast last week, but it's still relevant today. Are the Indiana Hoosiers back now? We made the caveat before the show started, you know, what does back mean? Because obviously, you know, when you think of it in terms of IU historically, it'd be championship contender. And the answer to that is no. But we're, you know, as far as being competitive, um, that's kind of more or less what back means. Because, I mean, you know, uh, right now they're 16 and five. They're seven and four in the Big Ten. As I mentioned, they snapped their nine game losing streak against Purdue, and they're only a game and a half out of the top spot in the Big Ten. So they are, you know, you know, with a good end of their season, could be up near the top of the Big Ten, which is, you know, pretty crazy to think about. Um, you know, and, you know, as far as being competitive, I think that's, uh, you know, where they're starting to get back to. Um, you know, in, you know, in 2015, 2016, uh, they, they beat Purdue. Uh, they were last, uh, there was their last, uh, big 10 regular season title and their last NCAA tournament appearance. Uh, they made the sweet 16 last year. And I think that's a realistic expectation, uh, for a program of Indiana's prestige. We've made the comparison before to Michigan football where, you know, it's, a it's a fan base that thinks that it's still the 70s and 80s and it's not the 70s and 80s anymore you want to see them get back to um you want to see them get back to being competitive but they're not at the championship caliber i mean heck michigan was back in the you know 90s michigan, michigan was won back. a national championship back in well 97? and i was just gonna say michigan this year even i mean even though they made the college football playoff show that they aren't near the caliber of actually winning a championship that um, why Jim you know, Harbaugh will accept the Minnesota Vikings position on Wednesday. Maybe um, we'll They're see flying him in and he has given the Michigan football staff the entire week off and tomorrow's national signing day. Hmm. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the standard would be that though, 2016, where IU, you know, made the tournament, you know, they beat Purdue, they uh, were the regular season champs of the Big Ten. I think that's something that, you know, is kind of the next step. If you're trying to get back in your IU, that's the next step to come back and be kind of at least somewhat uh, of, of what you used to be. Um, and so, I mean, you look at it this season, I mean, they, and they haven't had any tournament appearances, uh, since that appearance in 2016, and they haven't finished above 500, in the big 10 in any of the seasons between then and now. So, uh, you know, in 2021, 2022, they beat Purdue. So check, uh, they are seven and four in the conference. Now five of their last nine games are against ranked opponents. Uh, they do play Illinois at assembly hall on Saturday. So that's kind of the first Okay, because Illinois also. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, they also have an assembly yeah. hall. Um, so now you got me curious. I'm thinking I'm wrong, but I'm I'm 95 positive it's at IU. Yeah. Um, so so I think um, their assembly hall changed the name. Yeah, maybe. Uh, ESPN does project them as an eight seed in the tournament, and I mean honestly, even realistically, let's say IU loses all five games against those uh, ranked opponents, but wins the other four. I mean, that's what that's 20 and and 10. So that still should put you in the tournament, especially being IU. Um, so, I mean, well, especially coming from the big 10, right? So that's, that's looking good. That, that may happen as well. Um, they're not ranked, but they are receiving votes. Uh, so that's, you know, going in the right direction. Obviously if they beat be Illinois. They'll, I think feel like they'll be ranked. Um, now, you know, numbers, you know, looking into the numbers this season, they're second in block shots. Only Michigan state has more, only two teams. They're the only one of the only two teams with Michigan state being, uh, you know, having triple digit blocks this season. They're third in field goal percentage. They're third in points. They're fourth in steals in the big 10, all improvements on last season. Trace Jackson Davis, um, is tied. Uh, as the second leading scorer in the conference, uh, Race Thompson and Pitt transfer Xavier Johnson have also stepped up around him as well. Which I mean, you know, when I when we did the uh, IU preview at the beginning of the season, I got all this flack from IU fans 
uh, you know, saying I didn't know what I was talking about, saying IU wasn't going to be this, you know, tournament team, amazing team. That's basically what I said was if other, you know, we didn't know who was going to step up. You know, Race Thompson was going to have to, you know, fill a bigger role, which he has. The, you know, Xavier Thompson stepped up. They gave, um, you know, they gave Jackson Davis the, um, you know, pieces around him that he needed. Um, you know, oh, for example, Trace Jackson Davis was essentially out that entire Purdue game. Right. Exactly. So, and it forced other guys to step up, and it showed them that, hey, look, we can actually do this. It's not just, it's not just him. Right. So um, as far as them being back, I'd say no, as far you know, just because I want to see more of what they can do in the stretch, because if they again, if they go four and five and, you know, not really back into the tournament, but like if they, you know, if they really don't show out these last, you know, this last month of the season, you know, even if they beat Illinois, if they, they beat Illinois and one, one other team, I think I'm in. I think I'm ready to say, like, I use back to being competitive, which is good. Um, but uh, I'm just, I'm like almost there, but not quite there. So don't come from my head. IU fans. I'm sorry. I'm not ready to quite get there yet, but I'm right here. I'm right on the edge. I think they're, they're in, they're looking in very good shape and they, they're, I definitely have a much more of an opinion of them, a good opinion of them that I did at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that assessment. I think they are on the cusp of being competitive again. They are no longer a doormat in the in the Big Ten. Um, I'm not 100% ready to say yes. They're back to being competitive and being should be considered for the upper half of the Big Ten. When yeah, you pulled an upset on Purdue, um, but you know you've lost to Penn State. You you yeah you beat up on Maryland, but everybody's beating up on Maryland right now. Um, you know, I, I, I need to see consistency. I'm still seeing the team that blew a, a lead against Wisconsin and just let Wisconsin then steamroll them. Um, yeah, you beat Ohio State. I'm still the verdict still out for me on Ohio State, to be honest, as well. I, you know, I, I feel like they're middle of the upper pack in the Big Ten. And that's where I think IU can be right now. Um but like when we asked the question, the thing I said to you off air, it's like when you, the question was, is IU back? And I'm like, there's, there's different levels of back, right? There's, you know, our realistic standpoint of back to being competitive, are they back to being competitive or are they the brainwashed candy striper idea of back where they're hanging a banner this year? And are they back to being competitive they are right there on the cusp. And as of right now, I would say yes, but I do need to see more. Are they on the, are they, are they back in terms of hanging banners? No, they are not back in terms of hanging banners. Um, but I, I, you know, props to Mike Woodson. He's getting this team to play differently and believe in themselves. And they're actually playing defense for a change. So that's good. Um, but yeah, it's, the confidence is rising within this team because they know that they can do it without Trace Davis Jackson. And that that's the big thing for, for them moving or Trace Jackson Davis. That's the big thing for them moving forward. They need to have comp these other, these role players need to have confidence in their role and not just focus on uh, TJD. So, but for them to see it actually happen with him on the bench and foul trouble against Purdue, I think that was a huge confidence booster um, I, I will say this, Purdue fans will be watching closely to those ranked games that they still have and rooting, probably honestly rooting for IU outside of the matchup against Purdue because, you know, those upper echelon teams in the Big Ten for them losing that helps Purdue out right now. But um, yeah, they're, they're close to being back fully to being competitive. We're not oh, hitting yeah. banners, we're being no. competitive. <laughs> yeah, looking at their ranked matchups, they, they have Illinois. It is at home. Uh, they are uh, at Michigan State on February 12th. They're at home That's against really Wisconsin, which, I mean, you said they were up on, on Wisconsin. Uh, you know, if they can th find I a way to. I believe they were up. I, I know that by the end of the game, it was not pretty. And IU fans were like, here we go again. Yeah. 
It's oh, a stretch. Oh, no, we suck again. So they Thank have you. a three. They have a three. You know, basically from you know in this middle week in uh, February, they've got at Michigan State, Wisconsin, and at Ohio State. So that's going to be a brutal stretch. If they can get yeah. through that, then they'll be in good shape. Um, so I'd say like, what if you could go like even one and two? Like, it's just don't lose all three games. You'd be happy with that. Um, yeah, I feel like honestly, I feel like the game <coughs> that. <coughs> And then the last rank, say, their last I feel like the game that can say a lot for them moving forward is Illinois. Yeah, because that'll be set honest. the tone for the, the last little bit of the year. Because Illinois plays differently than Wisconsin. Wisconsin, if you just, I don't know, if you don't shoot yourself in the foot, you can beat them. And Purdue shot themselves in the foot against Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's beatable. The, the style that Illinois plays I mean, it's yeah, especially with Kofi uh, Coburn. That's a, that's a man down there, and that's, it's going to be interesting to watch uh, TJD in that matchup because he did not fare well against Purdue's bigs. So it'll be interesting how well does he perform in that game, and if he doesn't, if he's in foul trouble again, who steps up? Because the hero of the Purdue IU game was um, Robert Finnessy. And he's currently injured, so it'll be interesting to see who could who could step up in that that role and put the team on their shoulders. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all for watching. Remember, you can follow us at 3C Media Sports on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook, 3C Media. Go to our YouTube channel, 3C Media, over there. We've got some content there for you, standalone content. So go over there. Um, you know, give us a subscription, give us a like, let us know what you think. Uh, over on TikTok 3C Media as well. We've got some standalone content for there. Um, also, remember, you can watch us live every week, Tuesdays at 8 o'clock, twitch.tv slash Craigcrash. Um, and then remember, you can uh, listen every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course podcast. You can hear me or you can uh, find me at uh, Crash Course FM on Twitter. B. Scott, where can they find you? I mean, Brandon underscore Scott 87. Next week is our Super Bowl preview. We'll be giving you a preview of the Rams and Bengals. So we're going to be diving into all that. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we'll be diving into that next week. But until then, have a good one, everybody.